0: amen well uh, as you're being seated uh good to see you my name is pastor steve and again uh, welcome to the international evangelical church we're glad you've joined us here today Uh, if you were here with us last week uh you know that my uh spiritual father the man who discipled me for many years soup campbell preached last week and we're blessed to have him here again with us this week he'll be headed out of country later this week but uh So honored and privileged for me to have him here. I could tell you a lot of stories of life uh, lived with Soup. I spent uh, over three and a half years regularly spending time with Soup on a uh, weekly basis and often doing things with him. And I remember in on December 26, 2004, a tsunami hit in the Indian Ocean. Some of you here today may remember that. Some of you are, who are from India and Sri Lanka and Indonesia and Thailand and those nations that were so impacted by that. Uh, undoubtedly, you, you remember when that happened, and perhaps you haven't had family and friends that were, uh, felt the implication of that. Well, shortly after that happened, I got a call from Soup saying, Hey, I'm going to Indonesia. Let me know tomorrow if you're going. So I had one day to figure out, Do I want to go with soup in this small group to Indonesia? And uh, I prayed about it, and I thought, okay, I'm in. I'm going. So we had to figure out how we're funding this, how we're doing this, and quickly got the team together. We took a long journey to Indonesia, and we were going into an area that had been at civil war for over 15 or 20 years, and they had allowed no outsiders in. It was a predominantly Muslim area called Aceh Land, and uh, when we were, we were supposed to have a final flight, that got canceled, and we had to take an 18-hour bus ride on this island up to our location. As we're driving, we'd be pulled over by soldiers who would hop, around, hop in the car with semi-automatic weapons sitting beside. It's quite unnerving for me to sit next to uh a, 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 looks like a guy younger than me with an automatic weapon riding for a few hours with us. And uh, we rode through there, and when we came to our location, they were still pulling dead bodies out of the water. And I remember our, one of our hosts said, this area has not had uh, a gospel presence in it for many years, and we want to go throughout the community and see if we can share the gospel with people uh, wisely, carefully, because the, the, uh, it's a criminal offense in this area to share the gospel. To seek to convert somebody. So if, if, they, if that happens, uh, you may be kicked out of the nation. So we'll meet in Singapore at the Golden Royal Hotel. Never forgotten the name of that hotel. Stuck in my head. Well, we went through, and I remember one family I met. They had 17 children. A month before, they had about three. All these children had been displaced, their parents had died in the tsunami. And I remember getting to sit with them and Share the hope of Jesus with this family. Well, when, when I came back from that trip, um, I was engaged within two weeks, married within uh, six months. My friend Damon, he was on that trip too. We did the same thing. And uh, both of us came back from that trip and quickly uh, got engaged and got married and said, Hey, if, we, if we're going to uh, live for the Lord in this way, we better get married and get settled on those matters. So uh, anyway, soup's been a big part of my life. I want to bring soup on up. Um, so many of the things I've learned uh, for the good. The things you see in the bad, those, are, those aren't the things I've learned from soup. It's the things for the good that the Lord's used. I'm grateful for him. So let me pray for soup. God, I pray that you'd speak through soup today. I thank you for the continual encouragement that he has been in my life, not only uh, over 20 years ago when we sat face-to-face on such a regular basis, but how he's continually checked in, how he's continually... Uh, been a part of my life and my family's life in so many ways, so I say thank you for that. I pray that the congregation here would hear uh, not what Soup teaches, but what he lives, because what he's teaching is what he lives out, and I pray that our faith wouldn't be something that we believe only in our heads and hearts, but it would be something that calls us to action and that we live it out. So, Lord, open our hearts and minds to receive from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank, Thank you, man. Love brother. Appreciate you. Appreciate
1: you. Good morning, church. Good morning. Come on now. Y'all know how we do it. This ain't my first time. Good morning, church. Good morning. Very good. It's good to be here with you again. I got another suit on for you this morning. And so make sure you take pictures because this, this may not be a precedent. But, uh, but yeah, I feel pretty good in it, though. You know, I hadn't worn suits in a long time. And I'm just glad to be here with you again to share God's word with you. And uh, once again, I'll introduce our team. Got my Brown Sugar. Stand up there, Brown Sugar. Let them take a good look at you. She's looking good this morning, yeah, as always. And the rest of the team, just stand up and let them get a look at you. And this is our team that we brought in. We've got some folks from the... Uh, United States of America because we've got Central Americas, so they're part of the Americas, too. So we're North America. That's where we're from, North America. He's from Central America. And so we're just glad to be here with you, and y'all have treated us so good, and I've been eating so much. And I was with Brother Mike's family last night, and they just kept shoving it in me, shoving it in me. I said, if y'all keep on, I won't have a suit on tomorrow because I won't be able to, I'd have some spandex pants because I won't be able to get in it. We're gonna talk about something very, uh, well, something that all believers are not called to do. And we have too many preachers and teachers and leaders talking about what we're called to do when God's word says we're commanded to do it. A command always overrides a call, calls are nebulous. Many times, callings are not sure. Callings change Somebody can say I've called to this place and then you see them three weeks later They've been called somewhere else and then a year later they're called somewhere else So calls change and not many people can stand 100% and say I'm 100% sure that this calling is for a lifetime or this kind of thing but commands are Universal in application and eternal in duration The same commands God gave 2,000 years ago are still to be obeyed today. So we got to stop these leaders from making it weak and softening God's command by calling it a calling. Calling gives you option. Commands don't. The only option in a command is, am I going to obey or disobey? Those are the only two options am i going to walk in god's pleasure no matter what the results of my obedience and you got to be careful in the obedience that you don't preconceive in your mind how the outcome of your obedience should be in other words we say if i obey god then this should happen to me but it don't happen that way and you get mad about it and you take your anger out on the person closest to you and they have to suffer the wrath of your anger which it wasn't their fault you're not mad at them you're mad at God because he did not uh, li- he did not work out your, your obedience and respond to your obedience the way you thought he should God is not obligated to respond to our obedience the way we think he ought to he's God He's sovereign. He already sees the end where we are now and where we came from all at the same time because he's omnipresent everywhere, past, present, and future. Our job is to obey and leave the results up to him. Trust. You see, in Western culture, we say the more I know somebody or the more I know God, the more I will trust him. The more I know this person, the more I will trust him. So if that's our modus of operation, then when would any human on earth ever get to fully know who God is? So if that's the case, who would ever fully come to 100% trust in him if your trust in him is based on your knowledge of him? In Jesus' culture, they said, I will trust him and then allow him or he will reveal himself to me as I walk in my trust with him. But their number one obligation and their number one starting point was, I will trust him and then he will reveal himself to me in my trust of him. Two different ways, two different ways. We need to go to Jesus' way. We need to trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will. Come on, he will. We got navigators in here. He will. Y'all come on in here and get with me now. Make me feel at home. Now, Mark 16, 15, he's, the, 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 the gospel says, go into all the world, and preach or proclaim the gospel to all creation, to all creatures, to all humanity. And the same word go there is the same word in the same tense, and the same word as you have in the Great Commission. Now, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go is not the command in the Greek text. Man, I was very upset when I found that out and when my disciple, Brother Herb Hodges, of 30 years, taught me how to study the scriptures. And I found out in studying the scriptures that God did not make go the command in the Greek text. Now, you go study for yourself. You don't have to take my word for it. You have to answer to God your own self for how you've handled his word. You have to give an account. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, correctly handling, rightly dividing the word of truth. And there will be an examination of how we have accurately handled his word. You have to stand before him on that. So you need to go examine yourself about this word go. But in the Great Commission, go is an heirs, passive, participle. The word heirs means right now, point action. It goes from the long term to right now. And just the letter A in Aries means no limits on no boundaries. So this going means there's no limits and no boundaries to it. It's happening right now. It's passive. How do you go passively? And it's a participle. It tells you how to accomplish something. So going is how the great commission is to be accomplished, but God moved it so far from a command, he made it passive. And in short, what it means is Pastor Steve did not have to wake up this morning and say, I think I'll breathe all day so I can make it. He did not go to bed last night saying, body, I need you to breathe all night so I can wake up in the morning. No, breathing is automatic. You don't have to think about it. It happens automatically. That's what that construction in the Greek grammatical and the tenses of the verbs in go is. It means you're going is something you're doing automatically. So why would God command us to do something that we're already automatically doing? If you get up from here and walk to the next building, you're doing what? Come on, talk to me. You're going. If you leave from here and go back to home, you're doing what? So as you are going, while you are going, since you are going, fulfill my command of making disciples. The same here. As you are going, since you are going into all the world, all the world is around us, and especially here, as you have so many nations here, the whole world is here in this city. So as you are going, as you are on the move, as you are going through life regularly, proclaim he commands us, to proclaim, to herald the gospel, the good news of the king, Jesus Christ, Yeshua Messiah. It's not optional. We don't have the option of not proclaiming and heralding the good news. And the word you have in many translations is preach. And this is what we think about preaching, but that's not the word there. The word is herald. It's like if the king had a son and then... The herald would go to the town square, and he says, gospel, gospel, good news. The king has an heir, and we got a young king coming through. So we are to be heralds of the king of our kingdom, who is Jesus Christ, Yeshua Messiah, amen. So we have a command to do it, a command. So what's one way we can do it? We want to look at a parable. Real brief, because our time is getting away. Turn to Mark chapter 4, verse 26 through 29. Mark chapter 4, verse 26 through 29. And this is a parable Jesus tells about a sower. And this sower is sowing in the kingdom. He's a kingdom sower. And read, Sipporah, please. She got a mic.
0: Yeah. It's on. All right, here we go. Thank you.
2: All right, Mark 4, 26 through 29. And he was saying, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seeds upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night and gets up by day. And the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle. Because the harvest has come.
1: Thank you. So, now anytime a parable is told, you ought to find yourself as a person, object, or thing, or something in that parable. So, when they told parables, you ought to find yourself in this parable. So, each one of us today is to find ourselves in this parable. And when we find ourselves in this parable, we need to understand and realize that there needs to be an obedience to what we are and what we relate to in this parable. So he says, there's a sower who went forth to sow. And according to the context, this sower sowed with no discrimination against the soil. He did not try to check the soil and say, should I sow here? Should I sow there? Is this soil receptive? Is this not? And you can see that in the parable in, Luke, in uh, Matthew 13, that all those soils had seed on them, but only one was prepared for it, but the sower did not try to discriminate. He just, she just, they just sowed seed on all the soil. So there's no discrimination against the soil as this sower just sows. And every sower knows, if I don't sow abundantly, I won't reap. And if I sow sparingly, I will reap. Anybody in here with me this morning? <coughs> Every sword knows that if I don't sow abundantly, I will not reap. If I sow sparingly, I will reap. So this sword just scattered seed everywhere, just threw it everywhere. And then it says, he went to bed day and night, went about their regular routine. Just went about their regular routine. They went and ate injera. They went and ate goat meat. They went and to the mall. They went shopping. They, 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 they just played football. They just, he just <coughs> went about his regular routine and forgot about the seed. And then it says when the conditions were right, when the conditions of the soil was right, that the earth brought forth fruit automatically of herself, by herself, automatically. The earth brought forth fruit of herself automatically. So let's look at this thing. We got a sower who sows the seed. We got the seed. The seed is the word of God. Luke 8 11, the seed is the word of God. (coughs) Then we got the soils. Matthew 13, the soils, that's the heart of humans, that's the heart of man. So, and you got the one who breaks up the fallow ground. That's God. Now, will God be on his job? Will God be at work? Will God be doing what he's supposed to do? Come on, talk to me, Willie. Really? Yes. <clears throat> and the seed is the word of God. Is there any problem with the seed? Come on, IEC, y'all in here with me? Any problem with the seed? No, it's the word of God. So if we've got three and a half billion people without a gospel witness, where's the problem? Where's the problem? Where's the problem? The sower, who's the sower's? Who's the sower's? Who's the sower's? Don't say us, this is to us individually. Each person born again in this room is a sower. So if there are three and a half billion people without a gospel witness, where's the problem? It's with me. Are there not enough sores? Plenty of sores. The problem is the sores are not doing what? They're not sowing the seed. And what is the seed? The word of God. Man, I just came off the streets at 5 a.m. one morning and somebody invited me to a, a function where athletes were there. And they were sharing the testimonies, and they was working with young athletes, and I was just watching. And this old all-pro linebacker got up, and he shared his testimony, and I didn't hear much of that. But then he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes him should not perish but have everlasting life. And man, that seed hit the soil of my heart because I'd already been watching my coach. God had already been tilling up that soil through a bad knee, through circumstance, the situation. He had my heart right for the, soil, for the seed. The seed, the word of God, hit my heart. And I was the first one up saying, I want to know this, Jesus. That's what I need. And I felt a peace came over me. I couldn't explain it. I couldn't explain it. All I knew is at that moment in my life, the void was filled and everything was all right. And all it was was one verse. One verse. I was riding to the prison to teach. And a guy called, he says, hey, is this John? I said, no, it's not John. I said, but uh, can, I, can I share something with you real quick? He says, yes, sir. I said, um, you know, many years ago, I, I, I didn't have any peace in my life. I didn't have any joy like I could have. And I said, a man just shared with me one verse. And he just said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I said, uh, has anybody ever shared that with you before? He says, no, sir. I said, well, thank you for letting me share that with you. And I said, do you have a Bible? He says, yes, sir. I said, will you promise me after we get off his phone that you would just pick it up every day and read one verse, two verses out of the book of John? Will you do that for me? He says, yes, sir. I said, thank you for your time. I appreciate you. Did I drop the seed? I don't have to say John 3.16 says. Those things were added later. The reference and the verse and the numbers don't make it the word of God. I just dropped a seed, and out of seven billion people on earth, God had that man call me for the purpose of dropping a seed. (coughs) How many telemarketers you get call you? And what do you do? Hang up on them. And then you got phones now that say telemarketer. And you don't even have to answer it. But God has divinely appointed that telemarketer that wrong number to you so that he is expecting you and hoping that you will drop a seed in their heart and you hang up on them every day i used to but now i say telemarketer i answer let them talk then i say how are you fine sir i don't really need that product How did your family come through COVID? How did y'all do? Everybody okay? Yes, sir. Where are you? I'm in this country. Is it hot there? What kind of food you got? Uh, Tell me about yourself. Do you have a religion that you follow or or, are faithful to? Yes. And then guess what they say. Do you? Yes. Then guess what I do. Somebody told me one day, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever be him should not perish but have everlasting life. I dropped that seed. So I get to talk to them folks every day. You know why? Because you hang up with them. And we always talk about divine appointments. God makes no mistakes. God does everything and he's got it outlined except telemarketers, except wrong numbers. So how many souls, how many lives have we hung up on on our phone? Because we think they got on our nerves. Ain't you glad that whoever shared the good news with you, they didn't think that you got on their nerves. Put slide number one up there. <clears throat> this is my house. This is where I live. 22 years ago, I rode through a neighborhood. I was working in this neighborhood 22 years ago. and. Uh, I said, uh, that's my house. Holy Spirit said, that's my house, your house. So I went and got Linda. I brought her back. I said, Linda, this is where we're going to live. Linda don't care. She'll live with a cardboard box with me. As long as I got enough place for her shoes and her purses, she good. <laughs> if I can get a shoes and purse and a cardboard box, she'll live in there with me. And I had my little three-year-old daughter at that time, And she was standing there on the sidewalk doing like this. (laughs) Like, Daddy, I'm with you to the end, and I think this is the end. (laughs) So I pulled up in the community. I said, that's my house. Next slide. So I prayed about it. Went and talked to some churches, some friends. Said, I want to live in this neighborhood. Now, uh, this was, at that time, In the most dangerous city in the United States, this was the third one of the top three most dangerous neighborhoods. This is where your pastor used to come and meet me on their mornings. Next slide. We began to work on it. That's that little girl that says, no, daddy. No, daddy. We can't do this right here. (laughs) Come on. So I called in some friends, got a little help. We broke that thing down, put it back together, and look what it looks like now. Come on. There it is, there it is. Then I asked Brother Herb, Brother Herb, come pray. Let's pray over a room in this house that I call the war room long before the movie came out. And so we prayed and we asked God to use this place as a launching pad to impact the entire globe. Use this place as a place to impact this community and help this community to be a light to the world, to where missions is going out of this community all the time. And so we prayed. And so two of my sons here today, they came through that room, ate a lot of meals in there, Linda meals. They came through here. Multi gospel uh, rapper and, uh, and, and some of his group came through here. Uh, Some people right now in the Middle East, in Nepal, doing ministry there, came through here. Global impact has come out of that place. means I got 10 minutes. And when Lynn and I moved in there, one of my sons who's here, he was in there before me. Then we moved in there and... We were one of two couples, us and Nathan Cook, one of two couples to in this community. And when people realized we wasn't dead in three months, in six months, then people start flooding in there. Now, I looked at a stat the other day. We were at one time one of the top three most dangerous neighborhoods in the most dangerous city in the United States. I looked at the list, we're not even in the top 10 now. We're not even in the top ten because so much light has moved in. So much has happened. And a lot of it is because of these guys that came in there, especially him, came in there and, and, and undergirded this thing. And they were bold enough and they were, they, they, didn't, they were fearless. They wasn't afraid. If they was, they overcame it. Because it was more important to them to see the gospel go forth and so save than it was the comfort of their own life. And today we have made Christianity look so weak. One person said the problem with Christianity is that Christians ain't worth killing no more. Christ ain't weak. They took him in that judgment hall and they beat him down. He didn't say nothing. And what does Isaiah say about that? What does Isaiah say about that beat down, Sipporah?
2: 2, Isaiah 52, 14 says, Just as many were astonished at you, my people, so his appearance was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men.
1: So he was beat to the place of unrecognizable. Brother Mike, could you imagine you went into this side of this building, and by the time they took you out the other side, your wife of, what, 19, 21 years, could not recognize who you was. That's kind of beatdown he had, and he didn't say nothing. And most people couldn't even survive that. They would die right there. All the blood everywhere, but our Lord. Our Lord had enough strength to carry his crossbeam a certain distance. And then when he got on the cross, he yo-yoed, yo-yoed up and down to breathe. And then he prayed, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the Bible tells us that he found a joy in that. Read that.
2: Uh, Hebrews 12 one and 2 says therefore since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us let let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God
1: so what was his joy What was his pleasure? It had to be you and I knowing that he was doing it, that we would have our salvation. So he paid the ultimate cost, the ultimate price. What are we willing not to pay? What place will you say, it's too dark, I can't go? What place will you say, oh, the food is too repulsive, I can't eat it? What place will you say, man, I can't sleep there, I can't shower there, the bathrooms are not right, or I can't go there? What people group do you hate so bad and that you are so prejudiced against, what people group do you hate so bad that you say they don't deserve the good news of the gospel? And if in Jesus' day they had took that approach, none of us would have been saved, it would have only been Jews. So we have been commanded. God did not leave it as an option to us, because he know we'd wiggle our way out of it. We'd find some excuse not to share the good news of the gospel. We'd find some excuse, some way not to do it. God knew that. So he said, I'm going to make it a command. It's not optional, y'all. Either you obey or you disobey. So what I want to do in ending this service is I want us to commit. It's time to stop playing this game of Christianity. There's too many lost people out there. You're in the 1040 window. 90, over 90% of unreached people groups are coming right through here, are through a window that you're in. God so divinely appointed you to be in this place at this time, in this era, and he had divinely appointed you to be here to be a part of the impact on this window. So what I'm gonna ask for is a commitment this morning. How many will stand as a testimony among the brethren, among the sistering, among this body and among the Lord that this week, this week, that you would not let this week go by and not drop the seed of the word of God on somebody? And if God is speaking to your heart about getting to some tough places up here, getting around to some tough places, getting out of the city, getting out of some of his comfort zone, and then going into some prisons, going to some tough spots in these neighborhoods, if that's you, you stand and testimony to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to surrender and get this thing done that you've been putting on my heart. But how many will stand this morning and say, this week I will get the seed of the word of God out? that's through your mouth that's a gospel track you can write the seed on an index card leave it somewhere or some of you might need to write a letter to someone and write the word of god in it and mail it when i got saved i wrote a letter back to my junior college and my coach was so like man soup got saved this wild guy got saved he read it to the whole athletic department so I got to share a witness to the whole athletic department at the school. I wasn't even there. He read the word. I wrote the words out, and the gospel went forth to them. So how many right now will stand and say, this week, this week? You ain't got to wait. Come on. If you're in it, this week, I will stop to see the word of God in this city and in some kind of way. How many do that? If you do that, stand right now. Stand right now if you'll do it. Look around. Look around. Now, don't do it out of pressure because somebody else did it. Make sure you're sincerely doing it before the Lord. Because what we're doing right now is we're making a vow before the Lord that, Lord, In this city, wherever I am, if that's through email or text or whatever, I'm going to drop the seed of the word of God and trust that the soil is right and prepared. And man, I I think we're going to be amazed at the results. And we'll leave this place with an action. Because Satan ain't got no problem with us sitting in here and singing and listening to the message and stuff like that. He'll endorse just come to church, come to church, as long as you quarantine the gospel inside this building. And Satan ain't got no problem with what's going on out there because depravity is doing what it's supposed to do. Depravity is running its course. He ain't going to mess with that. What he's going to cause problems is, is not... Is keeping the salt in the salt shaker and not penetrating the rock. Keeping the light in the building where there are several lights. Flashlights no good in here. But in the dark out here, one little bit of light illuminates a whole lot. So he's going to deal with us. He's going to try to stop us who is salt and light. And we're the ones can stop all this mess out here going on. So God bless you. Drop the seed this week. And let's see what God does with it. Amen?